Hello, it's Tax Credit Tuesday, and I'm Michael Novogratik. You are listening to the Novogratik Report on Tax Credits, a weekly podcast presented by Novogratik Company, LLP. Today is Tuesday, October 27, 2009. This week, I will share with you the names of the winners of the Novogratik Community Development Foundation's second annual Community Development Awards, as well as the well-deserved recognition of the Federal Home Loan Bank's Affordable Housing Program and three banks that received outstanding evaluations from the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, or the OCC. I will also review a comment letter that the New Market Tax Credit Working Group has submitted to the CDFI Fund on the 2009 NMTC allocation application. Finally, I'll discuss a recent audit of the Tax Exempt Private Activity Bond Program and the details of several affordable housing and tax credit bills making their way through Congress. But first, we have some breaking news that occurred over the weekend. On Saturday, Director of the U.S. Department of the Treasury's Community Development Financial Institutions Fund, Donna J. Gambrell, announced an award of $70 million in New Market Tax Credits Allocation Authority for the Heartland Renaissance Fund, a subsidiary of Arkansas Capital Corporation. The CDFI Fund made the award under the 2009 round of the NMTC program. Heartland Renaissance Fund will use its award to provide flexible capital to health and education projects throughout the economically distressed areas of Arkansas, with an emphasis on the Delta region. The CDFI Fund says it will announce the national awards for the full $5 billion in NMTCs available under the 2009 round later this week. Novogratz and Company will monitor any developments and report as soon as additional information becomes available. I begin today's podcast with recognition of award-winning community development achievements. I've just returned from Chicago and the New Markets Tax Credit Investors Conference where Novogratz Community Development Foundation, or NCDF, honored commitment and excellence in community development. Just a quick aside here about NCDF. The Novogratz Community Development Foundation is a private, not-for-profit entity that addresses the issue of community and economic development, housing, and the preservation of America's neighborhoods. NCDF awards are given to both individuals and to community development entities. Individual NCDF awards are given to those who advance community development, policy agenda, and legislative priorities, who through their actions have had a particularly strong impact establishing positive change in the communities they serve. Those who were honored are Michael C. Van Milligan, the city manager of Dubuque, Iowa, who is NCDF's 2009 Public Executive of the Year. Two state lawmakers were honored, Assemblymember Sam Hoyt, who represents Buffalo, New York, and State Senator Jason Allen of Michigan. They received the 2009 State Legislator of the Year honors. And rounding out the individuals whose work brought positive change to their communities was U.S. Representative Richard Neal. He's from Massachusetts and was recognized as the 2009 Federal Legislator of the Year. The NCDF Awards for Community Development Entities, or CDEs, are given to those companies who made exceptionally high community impact, qualified low-income community investments, or QLICIs. These awards were given in five categories to the following CDEs. First, the award in the Small Business QLICI category went to Capmark Community Development Fund. They received this award for their Tyvest Development, a Hope 6 property in Norfolk, Virginia. The award in the operating business category went to National Development Council for its investment in the Yonkers Pier Development in Yonkers, New York. The non-metro Kuliki Award went to Travoy New Markets Fund for its investment in the Navajo Tribal Utility Authority Project in Arizona. The metro Kuliki Award went to National New Markets Fund for its investment in Plaza Aldentity, which will house retail and not-for-profit organizations in San Francisco's Mission District. The Real Estate Quilicki Award went to several CDEs who combined their efforts to make an investment in the Argonaut Project, an art education center in Detroit, Michigan. The CDEs recognized were Consortium America, Enterprise Community Investment, 
Local Initiative Support Corporation, National New Markets Fund, LLC, NCB Capital Impact, and U.S. Bancorp CDC. The winning CDEs were chosen for their well-executed vision, measurable community impact, and commitment to establishing positive change by bringing more people and places into the economic mainstream. More information on the NCDF awards can be found by visiting www.newmarketscredits.com and clicking on the NCDF icon on the right-hand side of the page. Additional congratulations are in order for the Federal Home Loan Bank, FHLB, and its Affordable Housing Program. The National Housing Conference, or NHC, will honor the FHLB program with its 2010 Housing Program of the Year Award this June. The honor coincides with the 20th anniversary of the program, which has provided $3.7 billion for the creation of more than 670,000 affordable rental and owned units for low- to moderate-income families. The federal home loan banks, through member institutions, work with not-for-profit organizations and developers in addressing community needs. The Affordable Housing Program funds are used to help combat homelessness and assist the elderly, disabled, and first-time homebuyers. NHC cited these activities and the ability to use program funds in conjunction with low-income housing tax credits and community development block grants as reasons for awarding the honor. NHC will present the award at its 38th annual gala in Washington, D.C. next June. Congratulations are also in order for three banks that received outstanding evaluations from the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, or OCC, in the last month. On October 15th, the OCC released a list of community reinvestment act performance evaluations that became public during the period September 15th 2009 through October 14, 2009. Of the 24 banks evaluated, the OCC rated three outstanding and 21 satisfactory. Three branches of Bremer Bank received the outstanding ratings. The branches are located in Alexandria and South St. Paul, Minnesota, and Menominee, Wisconsin. Now let's move on to the comment letter that the New Market Tax Credit Working Group submitted to the CDFI Fund on the 2009 NMTC allocation application. The October 12th letter was in response to the CDFI Fund's request for public comment, and it addresses the 10 questions that the CDFI Fund asked and provides additional recommendations. The CDFI Fund requested comments on one of the more important issues on which the NMTC Working Group has been focused for several years, namely the Related Party Test. Currently, the statute does not clearly identify when relatedness should be tested. In each round to date, the CDFI Fund has conducted the test after the CDE makes the Qualified Low-Income Community Investment, or QLICI. This prohibition causes CDEs to structure their investments as debt, which burdens Qualified Active Low-Income Community Businesses, or QLICBs, with additional debt as opposed to equity. These structures are still exposed to true debt issues that pose a risk of the QLICI being recharacterized as a grant for tax purposes, which is generally not allowed under the NMTC program. The NMTC Working Group recommended that the CDFI Fund clarify that an allocatee that claimed priority points for investing in unrelated businesses will be in compliance with its allocation agreement if it's considered an unrelated entity after the QEI is made, but before, importantly before, the CDE or sub-CDE makes its initial QLICI and the QLICBI. This would, in essence, be a before test. This would allow CDEs to make equity investments, thereby delivering more patient capital to QLICBIs as long as the investor is not related to the qualified business. The NMTC Working Group believes this is consistent with the intent of the NMTC program. The NMTC Working Group letter is very lengthy and offers several comments on several other questions. The full text of the letter can be found online at www.nmdcworkinggroup.com. We encourage you to review it and comment. 
If you have questions about the challenges and changes to the NMTC program, I invite you to consider joining the NMTC Working Group. More information can be found online by visiting www.nmtcworkinggroup.com or email my partner, Brad Elphick, at bradelphick at novaco.com. That's B-R-A-D period E-L-P-H-I-C-K at novaco.com. For the rest of our time today, I'll discuss a recent audit of the Taxes and Private Activity Bond Program, as well as several affordable housing and tax credit bills making their way through Congress. First, the results of an audit by the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. On September 14th, the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, or IG, released audit number 20091014. It's entitled, Future Tax Revenues Are at Risk Because Certain Taxes and Bonds May Exceed Annual Dollar Limits Without Detection. This report presents the results of a review of the Tax-Exempt and Government Entities, TEGE, Division's Administration of the State Volume Cap Limitations Applicable to Certain Tax-Exempt Private Activity Bonds under Section 146 of Internal Revenue Code. Specifically, the audit sought to determine if the IRS has an effective program to identify and address noncompliance with state volume caps specified by the Internal Revenue Code for Tax-Exempt Private Activity Bond issuance. The audit determined that the Tax-Exempt Bond Office has not developed the processes it needs to identify and address noncompliance because its compliance program is based on individual bond compliance rather than on whether aggregate bond issues exceed yearly dollar limits. Additionally, the audit found that the IRS does not regularly receive the information that it needs to verify volume cap. The report further noted that 18% of the bond returns that it reviewed did not include required state certifications, and 28% of the bond returns reviewed did not include the required carry-forward documentation. The audit also identified more than $11 billion in transcription errors. Differences between the amounts submitted on bond and carry-forward returns and the amounts entered into the IRS computer systems. Auditors expressed concern that inaccurate reporting could negatively affect the limited resources available to the Taxes and Bond Office by causing unnecessary review of bonds that are not actually over the volume cap. The auditors recommended that the director of the Taxes and Bond and the TEGE division develop and implement processes to identify and address tax-exempt private activity bonds that will exceed the volume cap limitations of the Internal Revenue Code. They went on to recommend that the director of the Taxes and Bonds area work with the Wage and Investment Division to do two things. First, ensure that required state certifications and carry-forward elections are received with filed bond returns. And two, identify and implement a methodology to ensure that transcription errors for bond documentation are detected. The TEGE management agreed with the auditor's recommendations according to the report. TEGE Commissioner Sarah Hall Ingram submitted two actions that the TEGE would undertake to address the issues the auditors identified. During fiscal year 2010, the Taxes and Bond Group will conduct a compliance research project to gather information about the processes that the states use to allocate volume cap and to identify potential compliance and educational approaches available to the IRS in identifying and addressing the Section 146 compliance issues on a statewide basis. Additionally, the Director of Taxes and Bonds and the Director of TEGE Business Systems Planning will coordinate a review of the Internal Revenue Manual and the procedures within to improve guidance available to Wage and Investment Division Submission Processing employees for the processing of Form 8038, 
That's the form that states you to submit their tax and bond information, including confirming receipt of state volume cap certifications and carry-forward elections. They will also develop and implement a data verification project to identify transcription and documentation errors for previously processed information returns. TEGE will implement all of these measures by January 31, 2011. Now, on to new legislation. First is a bill that is intended to increase investment in green energy in metropolitan statistical areas, or MSAs, that have suffered high rates of job loss. Representative Brian Higgins of New York introduced legislation October 15th that would increase existing tax credits for struggling communities. H.R. 3834, the Green Energy Investment Zone Act, aims to draw manufacturers to distressed communities, encourage purchases from distressed communities, and expand the market for manufacturers in distressed communities. To do this, the Act would enhance energy tax credits in metropolitan statistical high job loss zones. The proposed bill would require, for instance, the Secretaries of Treasury and Energy to consider whether a project is in a metropolitan statistical high job loss zone during the selection process for the awardees of the Advanced Energy Property Tax Credit. The bill would also increase to 40% the amount of residential investment tax credits and residential energy property tax credits that individuals can claim for energy efficiency improvements and residential energy property investments if the manufacturer of the property is located in an MSA high job loss zone. It would also increase the tax credit caps to $2,000 and $750 respectively. Further, the proposal would expand the market for manufacturers in MSA high job loss zones by increasing by 10% the business investment tax credit, which offers varying levels of credit for solar energy, fuel cells, microturbines, and other energy property. It would also increase the amount of the production tax credit by half a cent for facilities and increase by 10% the amount of the investment tax credit that eligible facilities can claim. Criteria for determining eligibility include economic conditions, residential well-being, gross product, gross product per job, employment payroll, business establishments, per capita income, median household income poverty rate, unemployment rate, and labor force participation rate. H.R. 3834 has been referred to the House Committee on Ways and Means and the Committee on Energy and Commerce. The Green Energy Investment Zone Act and other related energy legislation will be discussed at Novograd & Company LLP's Financing Renewable Energy Conference on November 11th and 12th in Washington, D.C., that's just two weeks away. You can learn more about the conference by going to www.novaco.com and visiting the Renewable Energy Tax Credit Resource Center and click on the Events tab. Also introduced in the House was H.R. 3766, the Main Street Troubled Asset Relief Program Act of 2009. The bill is a new version of H.R. 2068, which Barney Frank of Massachusetts introduced in June. Frank is the chairman of the House Committee on Financial Services, and he introduced H.R. 3766 on October 8th. The act would use funds made available under the Troubled Asset Relief Program, or TARP, to help fund the National Affordable Housing Trust Fund and programs for struggling homeowners. The proposed bill requires the Secretary of the Treasury to transfer $1 billion to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development for the Housing Trust Fund. It also establishes that rents paid by tenants cannot exceed 30% of household income. H.R. 3766 was referred to the House Committee on Financial Services on October 8th. On September 30th, Senator Jack Reed of Rhode Island introduced a similar bill in the Senate, S-1731, entitled the Preserving Homes and Communities Act of 2009. Senator Reed's proposed bill would transfer $1 billion from the sale of warrants under the, under the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of 2008, which includes TARP, 
the bill would require loan modifications for qualified borrowers who have federally backed loans, establish a grant program for state agencies to assist homeowners in default, it would establish state and local government mediation programs, and create databases to monitor defaults and foreclosures. S-1731 was read twice and referred to the Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. Now let's move on to the third presentation of our Tax Credit Tuesday Tax Credit Calendar. Yesterday, my partner Stephen Tracy spoke at the Solar Power International Conference in Anaheim, California. Tens of thousands of professionals attend this conference. He reviewed the current financing sources and products available for commercial solar transactions. SPI is North America's largest business-to-business solar industry event and runs through midday Thursday at the Anaheim Convention Center. Next week, on Monday and Tuesday, November 2nd and 3rd, NHNRA will be convening its 2009 Fall Developers Forum at the Taj Hotel in Boston. The meeting will focus on transaction-oriented discussions with a mix of program updates, case studies, roundtable discussions, and networking events. Also next Wednesday, November 4th, I will be participating in a ULI-sponsored debate in San Francisco on the future of the low-income housing tax credit. I believe, and I will so argue, that the LIHTC is a more efficient program and is better housing policy than a direct federal cash grant. We'll discuss this more in future podcasts. Next Thursday, November 5th, Enterprise is is presenting a 2 p.m. Eastern webinar entitled Year 15 Nonprofit Transfer Strategies for Expiring LIHTC Properties. The discussion will center on disposition strategies for the nonprofit sponsor and review partnership provisions including rights of first refusal, purchase options, exit taxes, and preservation of affordability. Next Thursday and Friday, November 5th and 6th, my partner Dan Smith will speak at the Institute for Professional Executive Development's or IPEDS, conference entitled Affordable Housing and Community Development, Finding Resources and Creating Opportunities in 2010. The conference will be held at the W Hotel in Washington, D.C., and it will address affordable housing development, including low-income housing tax credits, HUD, and the Recovery Act programs. My partner Dan Smith's panel will be Sophisticated Tax, Legal, and Accounting Issues Facing Owners of Affordable Housing Properties. The week after next, on Wednesday and Thursday, November 11th and 12th, as I mentioned earlier, you're invited to join Renewable Energy Tax Credit Professionals at Novogratz and Company's Financing Renewable Energy Conference in Washington, D.C. The conference is at the Four Seasons Washington, D.C. Hotel, and it brings together industry professionals to discuss the latest developments in renewable energy tax credits. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Please join me again next Tuesday when I provide an update on the progress of action A-C-T-I-O-N, and the Tax Credit Housing Consensus Proposal. We also expect to build a report on the balance of the winners of $5 billion in 2009 NMTC Allocation Authority. Between now and next Tuesday's Tax Credit Tuesday podcast, watch your email for Novogratz NMTC Breaking News emails. If you've not yet signed up for these free emails, go to www.newmarketscredits.com. This is Michael Novogratz. And I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.